Turn then this morning to the book of Leviticus chapter 19. Book of Leviticus chapter 19. Let us hear then God's breathed out word to his church this morning. Leviticus 19 beginning at verse 1. And the Lord spoke to Moses, saying, Speak to all the congregation of the people of Israel and say to them, You shall be holy, for I, the Lord your God, am holy. Every one of you shall revere his mother and his father, and you shall keep my Sabbaths. I am the Lord your God. Do not turn to idols or make yourselves any gods of cast metal. I am the Lord your God. When you offer a sacrifice of peace offerings to the Lord, you shall offer it so that you may be accepted. It shall be eaten the same day you offer it or on the same day after. And anything left over until the third day shall be burned up with fire. If it is eaten at all on the third day, it is tainted. It will not be accepted. And everyone who eats it shall bear his iniquity because he has profaned what is holy to the Lord and that person shall be cut off from his people. When you reap the harvest of your land, you shall not reap your field right up to its edge. Neither shall you gather the gleanings after your harvest. And you shall not strip your vineyard bare. Neither shall you gather the fallen grapes of your vineyard. You shall leave them for the poor and for the sojourner. I am the Lord your God. You shall not steal, you shall not deal falsely, you shall not lie to one another. You shall not swear by my name falsely and so profane the name of the Lord your God. I am the Lord. You shall not oppress your neighbor or rob him. The wages of a hired worker shall not remain with you all night until the morning. You shall not curse the deaf or put a stumbling block before the blind, but you shall fear your God. I am the Lord. You shall do no injustice in court. You shall not be partial to the poor or defer to the great. But in righteousness you shall judge your neighbor. You shall not go around as a slanderer among your people. And you shall not stand up against the life of your neighbor. I am the Lord. You shall not hate your brother in your heart. But you shall reason frankly with him. Let me read it again. Sorry. You shall not hate your brother in your heart, but you shall reason frankly with your neighbor, lest you incur sin because of him. You shall not take vengeance or bear a grudge against the sons of your own people, but you shall love your neighbor as yourself. I am the Lord. You shall keep my statutes. You shall not let your cattle breed with a different kind. You shall not sow your field with two kinds of seed. You shall wear... Nor shall you wear a garment of cloth made of two kinds of material. If a man lies sexually with a woman who is a slave, assigned to another man, and not yet ransomed or given her freedom, a distinction shall be made. They shall not be put to death, because she was not free. But he shall bring his compensation to the Lord to the entrance of the tent of meeting, a ram for a guilt offering. The priest shall make atonement for him with the ram of the guilt offering before the Lord for his sin, That he has committed and he shall be forgiven for the sin that he has committed. When you come into the land and plant any kind of tree for food. And you shall regard its fruit as forbidden. Three years it shall be forbidden to you. It must not be eaten. And in the fourth year all its fruit shall be holy. An offering of praise to the Lord. But in the fifth year you may eat its fruit to increase its yield for you. 
I am the Lord your God. You shall not eat any flesh with the blood in it. You shall not interpret omens or tell fortunes. You shall not round off the hair of your temples or mar the edges of your beard. You shall not make any cuts to your body for the dead or tattoo yourselves. I am the Lord. Do not profane your daughter by making her a prostitute, lest the land fall into prostitution and the land become full of depravity. You shall keep my Sabbaths and reverence my sanctuary. I am the Lord. Do not turn to mediums or necromancers. Do not seek them out, and so make yourselves unclean by them. I am the Lord your God. You shall stand up before the gray head and honor the face of an old man, and you shall fear your God. I am the Lord. When a stranger sojourns with you in your land, you shall do him no wrong. You shall treat the stranger who sojourns with you as a native among you, and you shall love him as yourself. For you were strangers in the land of Egypt. I am the Lord your God. You shall shall do no wrong in judgment, in measures of length or weight or quantity. You shall have just balances, just weights, a just ephah, and a just hin. I am the Lord your God who brought you out of the land of Egypt and you shall observe all my statutes and all my rules and do them. I am the Lord. Let's bow in prayer. Shall we pray? Dear Lord and and Heavenly Father, we have just read that uh, you are the Lord our God and we just thank you and praise you that, Father, in your mercy that you have given us your word, uh, how you had set aside a people for yourself and you have set aside us for yourself and we just thank you and praise you for the, the many blessings that come from that and father we understand that created in your image that um, you have commanded us to love our neighbor as ourselves and we are only capable of this because you have first loved us and what a great and awesome love that is especially when we consider the sacrifice of your son And, Father, we pray that um, you'll give Pastor Bob everything he stands in need of as he brings your word this morning. Uh, Grant him the gifts uh, that are needed. And we just praise you once again, dear Lord, for an opportunity to freely meet together, to lift your name up in praise, to open our hearts, Father, for your word. In the precious name of Jesus, our Savior, alone we pray. Amen. And amen. So we want to look at three things from this chapter this morning. First of all, the repetition of laws. There there is a lot of repetition of laws found in this chapter. Things that have been covered previously. Secondly, the neighbor law. We want to focus particularly this morning on that 18th verse. But you shall love your neighbor as yourself. I am the Lord. And all that, most of this chapter centers on that neighbor law. That's really what it's all about. And then thirdly, the continuation of the law. So the repetition of laws, the neighbor law, and then the continuation of the law. In terms of the repetition, it's interesting, but this 19th chapter of the book of Leviticus includes all ten of the commandments. Now, not in the same form and fashion that we read of them in uh, Exodus chapter 20 or Deuteronomy chapter 5, not as they were etched by God's own finger in those tablets of stone. But they are referenced. They are acknowledged. They they are addressed. And certain things flow from them. But all ten can be found. No other gods. No graven images. No wrong use of God's name. Remembering the Sabbath. Honoring parents. No murder. No adultery. No stealing. No false witness. No coveting. All found in this 19th chapter. 
But what, what stands out, at, at least in part at the beginning, is this reference to the peace offering. And it seems so out of place, right? As we begin the chapter, okay, it speak to them and we have some of those commandments right up front. The father, the mother, the Sabbath, no idols, no, no casting uh, of cast metal to make a God, to represent God. I am the Lord your God. And then what follows in 5 through 8 is this little section about the peace offering. He's like, why? Why, why the peace offering there? But here's the interesting little thing that fits into chapter 19. The peace offering is the only offering that the person who brings it gets to eat. So you bring the peace offering, but you are allowed to eat that peace offering that you bring. What God is underscoring here is that it has to be eaten in two days. And if you eat it on the third day, it's no good. <laughs> you, you gave an offering for naught. If you have leftovers yet on the third day, it's, you're done. Okay. In fact, it's pretty tough because it says whoever has profaned what is holy by waiting to the third day to finish what's what's the punishment cut off from the people of the Lord and where we've been the last couple of weeks it's interesting that this thing of of having leftover peace offering on the third day is a placed in the same category that some of those heinous sins that we looked at last week out of Leviticus 18 are found. What's God teaching them? You brought a peace offering. It's big. It's large. Eat it all in two days. You have to consume every last morsel of it. Well, my family can't do that. There's only a few of us. How, how are we going to eat the whole thing? What does it now force you to do? Knock on the door. Hey, neighbor, I made a peace offering, and I got to eat this up. Please come over and, and eat with me. You, you go out to the street, right, and find the beggar and say, come on over, buddy. I, I got a peace offering. It needs to be consumed, and, and I got a small family, and we're never, never going to eat this whole thing. What does it force them to do? It forces them to look to the neighbor. It forces them to love their neighbor as themselves. It forces them to share this peace offering meal that is between themselves and God, but now becomes an extension of that to themselves, to others. Love your neighbor as yourself. I am the Lord your God. So even the peace offering fits here. Burnt offering wouldn't have made sense in this chapter. Peace offering does. The Israelite minds are going, oh, we get it. Yeah, we, yeah we're always sharing the peace offering to make sure we eat it in the allotted time period. God's word. It's marvelous in the way that it all fits together. What we would read as being, well, that's just random. It's anything but random. 
It is God who is the God of order coming again and saying, even this peace offering is part of what it means to love your neighbor as yourself. So when we look specifically at that command, now in verse 18, right? What does it mean? What what does that mean? Now you might say, well, that's obvious. Love your neighbor. Yeah, but it wasn't so obvious, was it? Who's my neighbor? Becomes the New Testament question. It becomes the question, who am I supposed to love? Who is this neighbor person? Who who gets qualified as a neighborhood? As a neighbor. We we all live in neighborhoods, and so we think, we think, well, it's the people in our neighborhood. Or we do what the Jews do did in Jesus' day, and so narrowly define it that it becomes only a fellow practicing Jew. That's the neighbor. Nobody else qualifies for that. And what does Jesus do? Well, one day, there's a guy on a road. And he gets beat up. And, oh, the guy who, who makes the law about taking care of neighbors passes by on the other side. The guy who's supposed to enforce the law about taking care of neighbors passes by on the other side. But the guy who actually shows neighborliness is the Samaritan. Who's my neighbor? In this passage, it has nothing to do with geographic proximity. It's not just the house on one side of you or on the other or across the street. The phrasing here means... All men, all men, all people are to be considered my neighbor. That's what it means. That's what it, that's what, that, that it is, it's as clear as can be that this is what God means by it. Later on, he goes to, to talk about the sojourner, the stranger within your gates. The person who is the alien is your neighbor. Love your neighbor as yourself. It's not just those who think like me. It's not just those who act like me. It's not just those who who keep their lawn up like me. And everybody else I can just disdain. It's not people who, who dress like me. And it's not even just people who go to church like me. I am to love my neighbor as myself. And that phrase, don't be misled, love your neighbor as yourself. What does that mean, as yourself? Well, it means, as Jesus explains it in Luke 6.31, do unto others as you would have do unto you. It's that principle of, I, I want the best for my neighbor as I would desire the best for me. I would desire fairness. I should give my neighbor fairness. I should have the benefit of a doubt. My neighbor should have the benefit of a doubt. 
I, I should be gracious because I desire grace. I don't, I don't desire that other people at every single mistake that I make rail at me. I shouldn't do the same then to my neighbor. It is to sincerely desire their good. Love your neighbor and sincerely desire their good. All that we do is to be motivated by a desire, a sincere desire to do good to our neighbor. I am the Lord your God. Why would I do that? Because I am the Lord your God. And I'm telling you to do this. I am commanding you to do this. Well, why would I do that? Because that's what I've done for you. Now, that doesn't mean, then, that our desire for our neighbor is to go to hell. That would not be to sincerely desire their good. We we shouldn't want our neighbor to to, to fall into God's wrath because of their disobedience to the Lord. We should sincerely desire their good. If I walk outside and see my neighbor welding, and there's a can of gasoline within two feet of where he is welding, I think I may say something to my neighbor out of my sincere desire for his good. Just because I confront my neighbor does not mean I'm not loving my neighbor. But I should confront my neighbor in the way that I would desire to be confronted. That's what God is saying. What he goes on then around this, okay, around this is surrounded a whole host of laws and rules. Examples that God gives. Because the Israelites are probably going, uh, yeah, how do I do that? How do I do that? How do, how do I love my neighbor as myself? God says, well, let me give you some laws regarding gleaning. What are gleaning laws really all about? Making sure that the poor receive food. Now, there would be some who say, so every farmer along Arthur Street ought to leave some strips of corn so the poor from the city who have no means of transportation, who live underneath bridges, can walk all the way to Marn and to get some corn and eat some corn. Well, maybe. But what was their situation? The poor lived among them. So to walk across the street to the farmer's field where he has left a few rows of corn made it easy 
God is not making it difficult for the poor. He's not making it hard for the poor. He's not making the poor jump through hoops. It's across the street. What's the implication? That you and I, out of the abundance that we are given, are to make sure that some of that abundance goes directly, underscore the word. See, there's no middleman. It's just the poor going and getting their corn. It's making sure that the poor get the food that they need. He didn't tell them to buy cell phones for them. But he did say, leave your field, leave your wheat, leave your grapes. How do I love my neighbor? Make sure that a portion of that which I have been given by the Lord goes to those who need the necessity of food. There are laws against stealing. How do I love my neighbor? I don't steal from him. I don't take his stuff. I don't rob from him. And and I seek to make sure that laws are enacted then where robbery isn't acceptable. Where somehow somebody who is rich can get away with robbing somebody or somebody who is poor just has to say some words and all of a sudden they get money. I have to make sure out of sincerity that my neighbor does not have their goods taken from them. There are laws of kindness. Look with me, for example, at verses 13 and 14. You shall not oppress your neighbor or rob him. The wages of a hired worker shall not remain with you all night until the morning. You know what God is insisting upon? At the end of the day, you pay your worker. Why? Because the Lord doesn't want that worker to take out his charge card on his way home and go to Myers and have to use his charge card to buy his food. Here's the money. Stop at the market. Get the food you need for your family. Hmm. But we play this little game of, well, I'll keep this, I'll put it in the bank, and I'll earn interest on it, and then I'll pay you later on. Meanwhile, putting the worker in a situation of, I don't have any money for food this week, what do I do? Pay 21% on my card. See, God was taking care of this. Now, you know, you employers and employees can work things out, but, but the, the onus falls upon the employer to make sure that he is not creating some sort of situation that is unfair to those workers in their ability to actually take care of their family. The passage goes on. You shall not curse the deaf or put a stumbling block before the blind. Did you hear that this morning out of Romans? Did you hear Paul? Hey, as part of being a Christian, don't be a stumbling block. 
Don't be the kind of person who is going to take advantage of the blind and the deaf. We should be advocates for them. We should be working to make sure there are no stumbling blocks in their way. We should be the ones saying, how come this city hall cannot be entered by those in wheelchairs? There's a law. I am the Lord your God. You see how all these things are coming to bear on what it means to love one's neighbor? Even as Paul is saying in the New Testament, as believers we have to love one another in such a way that we don't put stumbling blocks in their path of faith. Much less in the road that they walk. Hey, let's make fun of Freddie because Freddie can't hear. Let's make fun of Freddie because Freddie can't see. Let's take advantage of him. Love your neighbor as yourself because I am the Lord your God. Laws of justice. Look at 15 and 16 that follow. In Chapter 19. You shall do no injustice in court. You shall not be partial to the poor or deeter to the great. But in righteousness you shall judge your neighbor. Why? Because that's to love your neighbor. That's to be fair. That's to be just. You're not to be a slanderer. You're not to make up things. You're not to put words in other people's mouth. You're not to take their words and extrapolate from them what you think those words mean. That's to slander somebody's name. You are not to do so. Because that's not to love your neighbor as yourself. Do you want your words ripped out of context? Is that the way you want to be treated? When you misspeak in a Facebook post or a Twitter post and everybody jumps on your case, you don't like to be treated that way. Do you treat others that way? Do you ask questions? Do you find out? That's what God is calling for. That's why. Because that's what it means to love your neighbor as yourself, to sincerely seek their Good. Laws of justice. Which comes down to in 17 and 18 laws of the heart. You shall not hate your brother in your heart. But you shall reason frankly with your neighbor. Lest you incur sin because of him. You shall not take vengeance or bear a grudge against the sons of your own people. But you shall love your neighbor as yourself. I am the Lord. To be the Lord's people means, yes, we will love the Lord our God with all our heart, soul, mind, and strength. But we shall love our neighbor as ourselves. 
That's not some wimpy New Testament Jesus hippie statement. This is the fire-breathing, smoke-creating, earth-shaking God who in chapter 18 said, cut them off. For all those sexual sins, cut them off. They're not to be a part of me. And now that same God comes to his people. He says, now, with just as much force, with just as much power, with just as much strength of word, love your neighbor as yourself. Why? Because I am the Lord your God. Does that continue? Sure it does. We go to Matthew chapter 22, I believe it is, or we go to Mark chapter 12. In one passage it's a scribe, in another passage it's a lawyer. Every scribe is a lawyer and every lawyer is a scribe. So it's not like we have some miscommunication going on. Somebody who who appears as we read in the one passage to really come to Jesus with a sincere question. This is not a trick. This is not a ploy. Jesus, which is the greatest commandment? Now think of that question. Think of that question coming. What is the greatest commandment? And here is the Lord Jesus Christ confronted with a question. And it's interesting because oftentimes when Jesus receives questions from the Pharisee group, the scribe group, the chief elder group, he plays a little back and forth with them. Well, let me ask you a question. Or he, 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 he comes at it and he says, now, you know, let's think about this. What does he do here? You shall love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your soul, with all your mind, and with all your strength. And a second like unto it. Wow, that's power. A second like unto it. Is this, you shall love your neighbor as yourself. On these two commandments hang all the law and all the prophets. This is the sum and summation of what it means to follow the Lord. To love him. To love one's neighbor as oneself. Who said that? Who said that? Oh, that's probably some 21st century liberal theologian who probably said that. No, no, that's the Lord Jesus Christ. That's the king. That's the one who is ruling and reigning sovereignly at this moment. That's why Paul in Romans says, be careful about judging others. Be careful about that. Be careful about that yardstick that you're using. How you doing on loving your neighbor? 
How are you doing on that debt that you have to love? It's interesting, but when you read the account, I believe it's the Matthew one, the man goes away. And Jesus' heart is touched by that which has happened, by that which has taken place, by the desire of this man. He's not far from the kingdom of God. But there's a way in which Jesus is saying that he's not far, but he's not in. Lord, when did we see you hungry? When did we see you thirsty? When did we see you naked and without clothes? Goats away from me, in that you have not done it to the least of these, you have not done it unto me. It wasn't their theology proper, it's their theology practical. Lord, when did we give you food and drink? In that you have done it unto the least of these, my brethren, you have done it unto me. The God of Sinai speaks. Love your neighbor as yourself. The God of Sinai continues to speak. But he speaks through pierced hands, a pierced feet, and a pierced side. And he says, love your neighbor as yourself. Because that's what I did for you. Father, we hear your word. And how thankful we are. How thankful we are that Christ loved us to desire sincerely our good. So much so that he comes into this world, suffers and dies upon a cross, bears the weight of hell, my hell. My sin. Out of his love for you. Out of his love for us. He did not consider equality with you something to be grasped, but he'd emptied himself. Taking on the very form of a servant. Ah, Father, teach us to love As Christ does love. Teach us to love you. With one holy passion. Seeking. 
in every way to be obedient to you. Fill all our lives in every part with praise that our whole being may proclaim your glorious ways. Teach us to love as you love. As you've loved us. Let us hear the call of the sovereign King of kings and Lord of lords today. Love your neighbor as yourself. I am the Lord, your God. In Christ's name we pray and God's people say, Amen. We turn in our hymn books to number 400. Number 400. Stand and sing the four stanzas, have our benediction, and then our doxology. 400, gracious spirit, dwell with me.